1: the place to be, to be. Welcome to Storylines Live, the only podcast where you explore the meaning and the power of the most important story in business. The one that answers why someone should buy from you, work for you, invest in you, or partner with you. This is the story that defines the very character and nature of an organization. At WordWrite, we call it your capital S story. In each episode, we feature guests who have great insights on business storytelling, who can share their experiences and key learnings to help you and your business do a better job of sharing your capital S story to deliver remarkable business results. Today, we're honored to have Jason Falls as our guest. Jason, wow, I don't know where to start. He's a he's a digital strategist and, and author, a speaker, and a big picture thinker in the digital and social media space. Uh, he's been an innovator in conversation research and social analytics. Uh, he published a conversation report in 2012. No, that's not 2021, I didn't make a mistake. 2012, uh, since 2021, He's been the executive producer of the Marketing Podcast Network, which is where this podcast lives. We'll talk more about that. He also launched Falls and Partners, an influence marketing strategy and creative concepts firm in 2022. And he's a multiple-time book author. Jason, welcome to Storylines Live. Thanks, Paul. It's great to be here. Um, how'd I do on your intro there? Did I miss anything important that you think that our audience should know?
2: About? <laughs> well, the, the big thing is my day job. Um, uh, yes. uh, you know, Scipio.ai is, uh, Uh, basically a platform that helps uh, businesses uh, leverage the power of user-generated content. So it has the ability to scale acquisition of UGC so that you can power your paid, earned, and owned uh, media channels. Uh, And I am the EVP for marketing there during the day. All that other stuff you talked about is, you know, sort of side hustle and things that I've done over the years. But uh, but yeah, that's what I spend most of my time doing these days.
1: Wow, that's awesome. We're definitely going to talk more about that, folks. So stay tuned for that. Now, one of the reasons why I wanted to have Jason on Storylines Live is because he is a master podcaster. More than that, (laughs) he is the founder, I don't know what your title is there, Jason, of the Marketing Podcast Network. So would you please tell our audience a little bit about the network and also your podcast?
2: Sure. So MPN started uh, as a byproduct of me having my own podcast, which is focused on influencer marketing. Um, I had that on a business network for a couple of years, and the promise there was that we'll promote you on all of our other shows, and then, if you'll put ads in your show, we'll we'll share revenue with you. And uh, I was frustrated with the fact that I never really saw any any cross promotion and I didn't really see any any revenue share. And there were lots of reasons for that. I, I They they didn't, you know, drop the ball. There were just some structural and bureaucracy things that happened there that made things not work the way that, that, that the promise was made. And so I got frustrated because I'm kind of contrarian. And I got frustrated one day and said, well, I'm going to figure out how to do this. And when I did, I realized, hey, I know a lot of people in the marketing world. My podcast is about marketing. If we put a bunch of marketing podcasts on the same sort of network, um, then from an advertising perspective, I can go to companies that market to marketers and say 100% of our audience are marketers. So that makes a much more effective and efficient ad spin for you. Yes, and course. so the idea was that to basically bring like-minded, like-topic podcasters together and form first an ad network. But then from that, a community of people of like mind who are doing the same sort of thing to kind of support one another. Because I think in, in this sort of niche area of marketing podcasts, You know, nobody's going to get rich with a podcast. It's a support mechanism for the other things you do, but we can still come together and support one another. And so I wanted it to be a place where a brand new podcast like yours can come in and automatically have built in promotional support and potential advertisers and things like that, um, and then have a community of people. Um, supporting you with either being guests or sharing ideas or, Hey, I need to buy a new microphone. What should I buy? And now all of a sudden you've got a community of people built in to do that. So that was the, the intent and the purpose behind it. And, um, and my podcast is called WinFluence, uh, the influence marketing podcast. It was a, a spinoff of my book by the same name, WinFluence. Um, and my philosophy on influence marketing is that we're focused too much on the influencers, Um, And need to focus more on the goal, which is to influence the audience to take action. And that broadens the perspective and horizon of what influence marketing really is. And you'll notice I don't use the R in in influencer marketing. I call it influence marketing. And so the interviews and the conversations we have there are really through that very specific filter of Mm. how can we influence the audience, not so much which celebrity type people who have a lot of followers can we engage to do that.
1: Amen. That is that is such a powerful concept. And I want to talk more about that uh, in the episode uh, today. Obviously, we first got connected because you had me on your show and, mm-hmm. and we talked about storytelling. We ask all our guests on Storytime, Storylines Live, Jason, uh, of the four questions that the capital S story answers, why somebody buy from you, work for you, invest in you, partner with you, which seems most important to you and what you're doing today?
2: Oh, wow. Um, I think that why would someone invest in me is probably Mm -hmm. the best one for my situation. And it's not so much invest money because I don't necessarily take on investors Mm -hmm. in that sense, but it's why would you invest your time and your energy Mm -hmm. in building a relationship with me? And if I had to answer that question, it would be because I'm really useful. I'm fairly well connected within the world that I'm connected within. And I leverage those connections for on behalf of all of the people I'm connected to wherever I can. Um, And, you know, I I am I value relationships over results um, because the results will come and go. And yes. I've got people that I've known and worked with for literally decades that we've had, you know, partnerships and ventures that have failed. We've had partnerships and ventures and programs that have succeeded, but I still have that relationship, that friend, that someone who I can call if I'm in their town and we'll go out to dinner and have a great time. And that's far more important to me than how much money we made on a campaign.
1: I think that's really a critical insight. Uh, I mean, things change, right? Uh, <laughs> You know, we started our firm WordRight in 2002, and at that point in time, people were still on MySpace. There was no Facebook, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, so when you talk about influence marketing, I mean, there's a new flavor all the time, right? Now, now we're looking at Threads and watching the explosion of that, right? So, uh, it's a pretty incredible thing. Yeah. When you had me on on your podcast, WinFluence, we of course talked about storytelling and you've had a lot of folks on WinFluence to talk about some aspect of storytelling. So we talked about WordWrite's specific take on it, but just more broadly, Jason, what's your philosophy of the role of, of storytelling and in marketing, influence,
2: marketing, et cetera? Well, storytelling is I think fundamentally key to successful marketing because if you're not using storytelling, then you're just saying this product is good. Mm-hmm. You should buy it. It will solve your problem. <laughs> you know, and anybody can say that about any product. There's there's no substance to that. There's no uh, emotional connection. There's no hook. There's no reason for me to believe. The storytelling is what weaves those statements together mm-hmm. and 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 makes people believe them. And yep. so, bringing that empathy, that human connection, that emotional connection to, uh, even if it's just as simple as saying, "Hey, you know, do you have a problem with people stealing packages from your front porch?" Well, a certain Portion of the audience you're talking to is going to be like, Yeah, I do. Well, mm-hmm. let me tell you a story, right? I had that problem. And what I decided to do was buy a box and and wire it to have a glitter bomb so that when the person stole the package off my porch, it would explode in their house or their car and they would have a huge mess to clean up and it would be a lesson learned. And so I've decided to put all those glitter bomb uh, kits together and sell them for $19 on my website. Would you like one? Now, all of a sudden you've told a story that people can visualize. Oh my God, a glitter bomb going off. That's hysterical yeah. and frustrating for the criminal in the in that case. Like, now they're seeing and hearing and feeling something that ties them to your product, yeah. and and that story is what makes that. I mean, you can have anybody say, uh, "I would just do a glitter bomb." That'll teach them, and then they move on with their life. And it was a suggestion; it wasn't a story. Yes, but that story makes you feel it and see it and smell it and laugh, and and makes you want to buy that product. And so. You know, story is fundamental. If you don't have it, then it's just a statement, and statements can be made and forgotten in a second. Stories tend to stick.
1: Yeah, that is such a such a great insight. And um, you know, frequently when I'm speaking on on storytelling, uh, you know, in the influence world, it's driven a lot by images and in in video. And you just told a story that was rife with images, (laughs) and, and you know, you didn't blow up any glitter bombs. Uh, to make your point, right? A 100 years ago, people would sit around these wooden boxes across America and listen to stories. Mm -hmm. It was called radio dramas. And everybody had the pictures of those stories in their own minds because they had an imagination. I often say that storytelling is the original communication medium, no batteries required, all you need is a brain (laughs) and an imagination, right? And and I want to talk about this with regard to what you shared uh, with influence marketing, because I think a lot of times people get caught up in the tool, Mm -hmm. and what it can do visually, and they forget the importance of story. I also want to come back to what you shared about your story. You know, in our work, one of the things we like to do is align organization stories with the stories that already live in our brains and you know people like the mythologist Joseph Campbell and Carl Jung the psychoanalyst identified what Jung called the collective unconscious the stories we tell ourselves over and over again one of the tools we use uh, are archetype families um, there's usually about 12 of them some of the audience may have seen these archetype wheels uh the explorer the sage the ruler etc the outlaw and you know, it strikes me, Jason, that what you really are is, you know, you're kind of an explorer a navigator, right? You know, Malcolm Gladwell, in his book, The Tipping Point talks about connectors and your description of you and what you do. Um, it really uh, hit home with me. That's um, that kind of describes you, you know, you're, you're looking to make connections for people.
2: Yeah, I, I appreciate that observation. And it, it's, it's not um, a coincidence that the first thing that I became known for in the marketing space was an old social media blog called Social Media Explorer. Mm. Um, That was the name of, of my brand and my website when I first sort of started out in the agency world and started exploring social media with brands. And it was really just that. I was exploring this new world. This was in it was started in 2006, 2007. Wow. Um, and I was, I was exploring this new world and sharing what I learned with others and making connections along the way. And so I was in a new career. I had shifted to mainstream marketing from 15 years in college athletics, being a PR guy. Mm-hmm. And I was exploring a new career, a new world. I was trying to make connections and s- establish a name for myself. And in the process of doing that, I, in in creating a personal brand, if you will, which I didn't know what to call that back then, but that's what I was doing was building a brand of me. Um, I was establishing a really nice network. I was figuring out ways to leverage that network to help other people, which eventually would come back to help me in some ways along the way. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't, but I believe in that sort of karmic nature of connectivity and relationships. Um, and so, yeah, I appreciate that observation because without having a conscious intent in 2006, that this is what I was doing. That's mm-hmm. what I was doing. And when I go back and look at it, you know, I was just in the right place at the right time and, you know, ma- did the right decision, made the right decisions, didn't screw it up, um, and wound up with a nice network of people so that I can launch a marketing podcast network and immediately have 20 or 30 folks say, yeah, I'm in, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's been a nice, um, uh, a nice foundational you know, platform to build the, the second career I had, the yeah. first being in the college athletics world.
1: I, I love that story. That is such a great story. Folks, stay tuned. We'll be right back with Jason Falls. And we are going to dig into influence, marketing, and a lot of other topics. We'll be right back.
0: My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant.
1: We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
2: You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome back, folks, to Storylines
1: Live, the only podcast where we explore the meaning and the power of the most important story in business, the one that answers why somebody should buy from you, work for you, invest in you, or partner with you, a capital S story. Our guest in this episode, Jason Falls. Jason is a digital strategist and author. Uh, his day job is at Scipio.ai but he also runs the marketing podcast network. He has his own podcast, Winfluence, which is all about influence marketing. Let's dig into that, Jason. What's going on with influence marketing these days? Every single day there seems to be some news story with some epic fail or some new
2: success. What do you see out there? Yeah, and 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 the whole idea um that fueled WinFluence the book, which begat WinFluence the podcast, was a growing frustration on my part. And and, and people will remember from the first half of the show, I'm a PR guy by trade. I was a mm-hmm. college athletics PR guy for a long time. So I've always been a media relations uh person. And if you think about it, the mechanism there is let's find a third party that has an audience. Mm-hmm and work through them to communicate something to that audience that persuades that audience to do something that we want them to do. Third-party validation, right? Absolutely. Well, that's essentially what influence marketing is. It's let's mm-hmm. find a maybe it's a social media influencer, but I would also say maybe it's a journalist. It's the same thing. You're just finding a third party that has an audience and working with them to communicate something to that audience. Yeah. Um, and so the dna of 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 influence marketing is media relations PR, something mm. I've done, you know for thirty five years. Um, and um, and so the inspiration for the whole influence concept was, every time you saw the word influencer in the mainstream media, even some of the high level, you know, sort of popular marketing publications, it was always the negative. It was the influencer who faked a motorcycle accident. It was the influencer who airbrushed clouds in her pictures. It was the influencers who airbrushed imperfections off of their faces. It was always the rubbernecking negative stuff. Mm -hmm. And what that did for business owners who were not in the marketing bubble talking about this stuff every day was it biased them against influencers and said, hey, I don't want to use influencer marketing because they're all fake and they're all superficial and they buy their followers and all that kind of stuff. Well, I'd been working with content creators online for years who were super content creators who did great stuff, who engaged their audiences, who persuaded their audiences to do things, who, when they partnered with brands, it was very beneficial for brands. I had been seeing the, the real influence marketing work going back and forth with creators for several years. And these little horror stories were this thin superficial layer kind of around the crusty edges. It wasn't really deep influence marketing. And so I wrote and came up with the whole idea of influence marketing rather than influencer marketing because we were focusing on the wrong things. Yes. We were focusing on the influencers and their buying followers and whatnot. And that, and that's a, you know, pro- probably 10% of the influencers out there were not great at mm-hmm. what they did in terms of ethics and all that good stuff. The rest of them, the 80 to 90% of the ones that I was working with were fantastic and very yeah. effective. And so I wanted to, to to throw this perspective at the industry and at business owners to say, wait a minute, stop believing the BS that you're hearing from, you know, there's a documentary on HBO called Fake Famous, which basically yeah. took three influencers, uh, manufactured their audience by buying followers and engagement to see how successful they could become. It's kind of ironic that the Nick Bilton, who was the uh, Vanity Fair reporter who directed and produced this documentary, his conclusion was all influencers are fake and buy followers, and it's all it's all BS. Ironically, two of the three influencers that he did this with quit in the middle of it because they were like, "Nah, this is this is not cool. I don't like doing this." Wow. One of the three though said, "Hey, I said I was in. I'm in. Let's do it." And the young lady became a influencer because they manufactured a bunch of fake followers and engagement. Wow. So he took one example of one person doing it the wrong way and said, this is how all influencers operate. So, you know, I was just throwing a, a little bit of, of, mm-hmm. of, you know, water on the forest fire yeah, and saying, yeah. Well, wait a minute, you, this isn't, you're not looking at this the right way. Um, And so that's where the perspective comes from. And that's the perspective I've always used. What that means from a practical, you know, sort of uh, execution standpoint is instead of saying, let's go find a social media uh, person out there with a lot of followers and get them to endorse this product. It's really about who can we find, whether they have an audience or not, that can create content that is engaging and then maybe we also find other people who have an audience or a pathway to the audience we're trying to to reach. Exactly. And how do we partner with them in, in an interesting strategic way to persuade that audience to take action?
1: Exactly. You know, we have a phrase we use at our firm, Jason, that it's all about moving hearts and minds and inspiring action. Right. And 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 that's in essence the point that you're making, is that influence marketing should be driving results, defining the results. However, you want, and certainly, uh, the we're not looking for vanity metrics here. <laughs> we're looking for people to do something, right? Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yes, and and it's interesting because that that desire for brands to want to see good results mm-hmm. out of influence marketing has actually inspired an interesting trend. Yes, uh, that that we're seeing now in the industry, um, and that is, of course, there are plenty of influencers out there, and and you got to remember every. Marketing channel, and even specifically to the down to the specific influencer and their account as a channel in and of itself, Mm -hmm. is different. And there, some of some of them are good for some things and not good for others. Like for instance, you know, if you um, if you want to sell a bunch of things, uh, uh, you know, let's say you want to sell a million dollars in product by Monday, then you need to take a Super Bowl ad out. Yeah. Um, and and hope that Sunday is the Super Bowl and there needs to be a clear call to action and a clear URL or place to go to buy it and all that good stuff, right? Yes. Well, most channels, not all, but most channels are not set up, especially in the social media world, are not set up to be clean transactional channels. There mm-hmm. are channels that are really good for awareness and you know, thought changing, you know uh, leader thought leadership, thought changing, mind changing, um, you know, persuasion mechanisms. And then there are channels that are really good at click here and buy this, right? Yeah, it's the difference between a spokesperson saying, "I love this product and an affiliate saying, click here and you'll get a ten percent discount. Those are two different things, right? Um, and so trying to understand uh, how influencer marketing can be can be more effective, um has has tipped over a couple of trends number one brands that use influencers a lot over you know a long haul definitely see an increased return because they're creating better awareness they're creating better you know messaging in the marketplace it's resonating with people because this qualified independent third party is telling their audience this is what's what this product is about or what this company Mm -hmm. is about so over time it's a really good investment short term when you're not using influencers that are great at that transactional mechanism, and not many are, right. some are, but some aren't, then it's 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 going to be a fail in a lot of ROI calculators. So what's happened is brands have started to say, okay, we don't care so much about the influencer anymore mm. because they are not necessarily persuasive, yes. but they are really good at creating content. And Mm -hmm. we can take content and put it over here in our ad campaigns and make sure that the frequency hits enough and enough people so that we do move the needle. So you've seen this shift now in brand saying, I'm not so much interested in the influencer as I am the content. And so I want that user generated content UGC that I can put over here in my ad campaigns. So while influencer marketing is not going away, it's not dying, it's not really Mm -hmm. even going down, you're seeing this attitudinal shift, especially from e-commerce direct-to-consumer retailers who say, I don't really care if they post it on their channel because I'm going to put money behind that content on my channels and make sure that it reaches the audience the way I want it to reach it so that I can move the needle. Wow. Um, and that's kind of where, you know, that that's why what I do in my day job with Scipio yeah. is yes how do we scale user-generated content for yeah. people? And oh, by the way, if you want the users who generate that content to post on their channels too, and that yes. it, it becomes influencer marketing, we'll do that too. But really, we understand that what brands really want is the content that they can then use.
1: Yeah, that is so critical. Um, we use this term in our form, remarketing. So I mean here we are in a podcast. A podcast should not just be a podcast, right Jason? You got to right. you got to take that content and use it elsewhere. And your point is don't just have an Instagram story that's going to disappear, right? If that content creator is generating great content, figure out a way to use that elsewhere. It's valuable stuff, right?
2: Yep, absolutely. Yeah. And and if you think about it um, and and this is a little peek into what we're we're working on at Scipio is what if you had a piece of content, maybe it's an Instagram story or maybe it's several Instagram stories from several different creators yes. that are little five, 10 second clips. What if you could take them and identify within that content? Okay. Where do they make a problem statement and then a solution statement? And what if you could st- all of those together in a nice little storyline, right? Yeah. It tells the story of here's the problems that this product solves. Now, all of a sudden you're taking this user generated content, these little five, 10 second snippets of Instagram stories and whatnot, and Mm -hmm. you're putting together a 30 second video that can be used in an ad campaign, but it's higher performing user generated content because it's coming from real people. It's coming from authentic users. Now, all of a sudden, you're looking at what I think the future of advertising will oh, be. And that's totally. something that we're you know sort of chewing on here at Scipio and trying to figure out.
1: That is so awesome. I got two more things I want to ask you about. I could I could talk to you for a long time. And if you're willing, we'll have you back on the chat more about this stuff because it's just great, great stuff. So I mentioned threads early in the episode. Your initial thoughts on threads?
2: Man, I, I'm really just tired of new platforms um, <laughs> I'm also I'm also tired of the the Zuckerberg Elon arm wrestling battle uh, me too uh-huh. watching two junior high bullies go at it there um but you know threads is going to be interesting for a little while because mm-hmm. it's not overly commercialized um but as soon as you start seeing more sponsored content and more even influencer content to yeah. you know stab myself in the foot a little bit. It's (laughs) going to become, you know, probably just as noisy and boring as, as, as Twitter might be, or as quite frankly, Instagram has become for a lot of people. Doesn't mean it's not going to be useful. Doesn't mean it's going to die. I like the fact that it is a meta property and there's a lot of cross promoting and, you know, in that ecosystem that makes it viable. Um, I personally don't like the fact that I don't have a desktop interface because I sit at a desk all day. I'm not going to do this on my phone. So there's some weaknesses there, but they'll solve those weaknesses and it'll be a viable platform. It's not going to kill Twitter, but it might, you know, create an interesting alternative for people who are, you know, philosophically against what's going on with Twitter and its leadership and whatnot. But um, but for me, it's just, oh man, I got another place I got to, and this might just be the grumpy old man coming out in me. Cause I've been doing this for a long time and I, yeah. I turned 50 this year. So I'm starting to have that get off my lawn reaction to everything, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, but it, I, I, I will get in there and play just like everyone else. Yeah. And certainly if you I'm sit in there and, and put a strategic, you know, thought around it, you can certainly yeah. find ways to leverage it. So it's not, it's worth investing some time in for sure.
1: Oh, check it out, folks. Uh, straight from the Oracle, Mr. Jason Fall. <laughs> All right, Jason, we're going to close out the episode with the subject near
2: and dear to you and me both, the Pittsburgh Pirates. Oh, I love it. For those of you watching, just so you know, I am an actual fan.
1: Right? Damn, look at that.
2: <laughs> yeah. So that was, that was my gift to myself for my 40th birthday. Oh, man, was- that's awesome. You know, the uh, 19, uh, 1990s, 2000s era Pirates logo. That's right,
1: yeah, the angry Permanently pirate.
2: emblazoned on my arm. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, so uh, for our audience, I am in Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah. Jason's in Kentucky. That's so the
2: true. story behind you being a
1: Pirates fan is?
2: Uh, my father and mother uh, split when I was three, and my dad moved eventually to Pittsburgh. Um, and so when I was, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, and this was on the tail end of We Are Family, it was early '80s. Oh, yeah, yeah. I went to my first Pirates game in 1982. Oh wow. Um, I saw a doubleheader against the Expos, and um, I'm proud to say that um, I got to see Willie Stargell play in his last oh, yeah. year. Ops. Yep. And the reason that I remember all that, I have this very clear memory of my first Pirates game at Three Rivers. I remember Bren Smith was pitching for the Expos. Stargell came up. He had bad knees at the time and wasn't playing a lot, but he pinch hit and they intentionally walked him, and the place ex- exploded. It was the loudest I'd ever heard anything. Wow. Um, I was I was nine years old, and I remembered it for for many many years. And so I kept telling my dad, this was my first Pirate game. I remember this. And he was like, no, no, no. It was, it was the next year we saw the Mets, blah, blah. He had a, a different memory of it. Yeah. And I'm like, no, man, I'd I know I was there. So I had this very crystal clear memory of that game. Well, years later, I found out that Lanny for Terry's son, Lanny for Terry was the longtime playboy Oh, yes. Guy yes. For the Pittsburgh Pirates, his son would take Lanny's scorecards, uh, which were on these big, like, nine by 16 pieces of paper or something like that and and they were both double-sided he would flip it over there was a card on each side after the game he would sign his scorecards and they would put them in this plastic sealed thing and Hmm. he he just kind of archived them but later lanny's son would sell them so you could you could uh, he had a website and maybe you could call him up or whatever email him and i found it and i was like hey There was a doubleheader in 1982 against the Expos. It was in (laughs) July, and all I remember about the game was Willie Stargell was intentionally walked, and I know he probably wasn't intentionally walked a lot. Well, I started looking up all the details and figured out he was intentionally walked one time that year, and guess what? It was in a doubleheader against the Expos in July. So I reached out to Lanny for Terry's son and said, "Hey, do you have these scorecards?" And he said, "Yeah, I do." And I said, like, "How much you want for them?" He's like forty bucks. I was like, I'd pay four hundred for them." Mm-hmm. So he sent. I, I bought them from him. He sent them to me. The next time my dad came to my house, oh. he was sitting on the couch. I walked up behind him and I, I held this scorecard in front of his face, kind of from from behind. Yeah, and he looked at it for a couple of seconds, like, "Get out of here." he he could not believe it and so i have those things framed those scorecards framed and i have them framed with um the ticket stubs uh and the ticket stubs from my son's first game which was on father's day weekend in 2010 my my dad drove up from virginia we went to see a series against the indians and get this this will people in pittsburgh will love this I email Greg Brown, now the play-by-play guy for yeah. the Pirates. Right, the, my story. I tell him the whole story, and he says, "Well, I keep my scorecards in a bound spiral-bound book, and I, I I keep them. I don't sell them. But when you come, let me know you're here, and I'll photocopy my scorecard from your son's first game for you. Oh. So I don't tell my dad or my son this is going on." Friday night was the first game. I emailed Greg, said we were here Friday. We're going to be here all weekend. On Father's Day Sunday, Greg had us come over uh, early, uh, before like eleven o'clock for a one thirty-five game. Wow. And he came down the media elevator and met me and my dad and my son. Gave us media guides. Gave us his copies of the scorecard. My dad's head exploded. He was like, "Oh my God, it's Greg Brown!" You know. So it was a it was a, a really cool. Father's Day baseball special memory that uh, kind of tied my story in with my son's story of loving the Pirates. And we'll have that forever. And that's all because Greg Brown is just the greatest guy in, on the planet.
1: Well, we'll make sure we give a shout out to Greg. <laughs> we, we post this episode and folks, as you can see, Jason Falls is not only a digital strategist and expert, <laughs> Influence marketing, but he is a great storyteller. one of the reasons why it's been such a joy to have you on this episode of Storylines Live. Jason, how can people find you?
2: I am Jason Falls everywhere. Jasonfalls.com is a great place to start. Scipio.ai, C I P I O.ai is the company that where I work and what I talked about. Um, and WinFluence is the name of the podcast and book. You can Google that or go to winfluencepod.com and get to the episodes.
1: Awesome. Folks, we will also put all of those links in the show notes. Jason, thanks again for being on this episode of Storylines Live. I look forward to the opportunity to have you on again. There's just so much happening (laughs) in this space. I think we're going to need to uh, sit at your feet and and learn a little bit more down the road. So I look forward to that.
2: Love it, Paul. I look forward to it as well.
1: Great. Thank you so much, folks, for being with us today for this episode of Storylines Live. We'll see you next time everywhere you find your podcasts online.
2: This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.